Today, we're talking about Ludington State Park. We visited there in the fall, and then I also visited there in the spring, and a few times the year before. The reason why we wanted to go over this, it was Andy's first experience going to Ludington State Park. And as we were going out there, we realized you don't have a lot of experience spending time in multiple state parks. I mean, you go to Grand Haven a lot, and then um, you spent some time in Brimley State Park in the UP growing up, but you didn't really like do the state park circuit. And I think that overall, you thought that this was a pretty unique experience. Yeah, it was a really cool park, uh, bigger than I expected. I mean, I've been to like uh, Tequamanon Falls, which is really big, uh, but then Grand Haven is more like just the beach. And that was kind of what I was expecting, I guess, when I got there. Yeah, and so specifically we went there that day to go paddleboarding. Mm -hmm. And I think that this paddleboarding experience is a pretty unique one because you can paddleboard just one paddle. I mean, you could be in a kayak, a canoe, really anything yeah. you wanted to, but it's unique because you actually get four different looks in one paddle experience. It took us, what, to do about a three hour paddle? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, so, we put in near the Lost Lake. So that part is an interesting paddle because it's pretty narrow, trees on each side, and it was something that, if that was the paddle that we were doing for the day, I would have been pretty satisfied with just that section of it. There's some mm -hmm. lily pads, some fish swimming underneath, clear water, really, and then um, it was cool just to see because you can see the trails going through the spots uh, that people are hiking and doing different things and other paddlers going by. And then as we got past that part, uh, we did the full loop and got out into Hamlin Lake. And that was a fall day. And I think that that's when you, uh, you popped Jersey because it was such a nice day that you, yeah. you actually went swimming at that. Yeah, it was, it was uh, really nice out that day. And after we got out on that part of the water, I was just like ready to get in. So jumped in for a little bit and swam around. It was like, I could tell it was probably about chest deep. So just sounded like a good spot to get in. Yeah, and then after we did that section of the lake, we kind of paddled around. I don't know what those islands actually are considered, if they're part of the state park or part of something else, but we kind of did the loop around that part of it for a little while. So we, we got to the river um, and you had to go uh, by the dam. And that part was cool because we actually probably stayed around there for about 20 minutes because there was a bunch of fishermen out and it was during the salmon run. And we got some shots of the salmon trying to jump over the dam. And then there was the, the fish ladder there in which they're all in. And uh, we actually kind of hiked out a little bit into like the area. We just left our boards next to it and did that. That was a pretty cool part of it. Yeah, I liked when we kind of went, then got on our boards and went up a little bit uh, and just walked or, or uh, paddled around. You could see the fish swimming under you. There was a lot of fish there. Um, I didn't see anyone catching any fish, but... Um, there was a lot of people fishing and I could see the fish, so maybe someone ended up getting one, but, um, that was really cool. I mean, I, I like when the water's really clear and you can see fish swimming around. It's fun. Yeah. We, once we put back in and we started paddling up, we paddled towards the dam for maybe a hundred feet. And then the water's kind of like turning like a little bit of like pretty fast moving water at that point. Mm -hmm. But this is a fun part because there's enough current there that you kind of just sit in the current of the down river and just 
float. I mean, you can kind of guide yourself a little bit, yeah. but that section when we were there was right when the falls were start, the um, leaves were starting to turn color. Yeah. And so we had this really cool shoot of reds and greens and oranges and um, different uh, colors, and it was just starting to be in the prime season, and it looked really cool. Yeah, I f saw a little red leaf floating. And talking about how fast it was moving, it like wasn't super fast, but I got sidetracked by this leaf, and I was like, "Oh, I can take a really cool picture with this leaf." So, like, I picked it up out of the water and got down on my knees on my board, and I was really messing around with it, like trying to get a, a cool shot. And I wasn't paying attention at all, and before I I realized that I was like into like a tree and weeds <laughs> and all sideways and you were off doing something else and i was yeah i just wasn't paying attention at all so it was pretty funny and then i got the shot though oh yeah of course everything for the shot <laughs> yeah, right um then the fourth part about the the paddling experience that you can have in all of this short amount of time is actually finishing the paddle out to lake michigan and i do need to say that in there a lot of people will portage that last section because it gets pretty squirrely out to Lake Michigan. And basically it's because you have two competing currents. You have Lake Michigan going in this direction and then the river mouth there. So you have some pretty turbulent water. So we got about as close as we could and then we portaged the last little section of it and got out to Lake Michigan. Yeah. And that day was rough. And we've paddled enough that we, you know, we don't mind falling in and having some fun. So it was fun out on the, on Lake Michigan, but it wasn't like one of those like flat glass calm days where you could just like, if you didn't want to fall in, like you were going in. Yeah. And it wasn't, it also wasn't like paddle surfing conditions yeah. either. It was right. kind of just like going all over the place, Yeah, but so it, it was cool uh, to go out there though. And that's actually where we got to experience or you got to experience for the first time how cool and long that beach section is there. From all yeah. the way when you're leading into the dunes, which is a couple miles of just that straight road, and there's mm -hmm. dunes on the right, and then Lake Michigan on the left, and then the actual beach part there. That whole section is cool because you can kind of just pop out wherever you want and experience Lake Michigan, and you don't have the crowds that I've seen at other state parks and lakes because there's so much space that I feel like you can kind of get a little bit of your own space. Yeah, it seemed, I mean, there was multiple campgrounds in the general park as well. I think there's a couple different yeah. campgrounds in there. Um, but when you got into those spots, it was almost like felt pretty rustic, you know, it was like, um, I like that. Yeah, well, and so Ludington is actually, I mean, the whole area is more than just the state park. But within the state park, you said there's a couple campgrounds, there's the beach, which was a nice beach. I mean, I really liked that. And with mm -hmm. the water levels higher, there's not as much beach as there has been right. in the past. And then um, the dunes, we did a little bit of the dune hiking in that part of it. Actually, mm -hmm. I think it was more just for a couple of photos and a couple of shots that we wanted to get. Yeah. And then um, I've done some pretty extensive hiking in that area on where, well, that trail that we met that dog when we were paddling underneath mm -hmm. that actually loops around to three or four islands and it's a pretty nice boardwalk in areas i wouldn't call it challenging hiking it's right casual like, yeah it's like it's like a, a walk kind of yeah. yeah yeah but i think it, the fun part about it is it's a walk with some pretty cool payoffs yeah there's some pretty cool views and even if you don't have a paddleboard or whatever you can get it out there with just a pair of tennis shoes and really yeah. experience quite a bit yeah but then if you get off though on the other trails that are more sandy then it becomes more 
difficult. Yeah. Um, and then you've never been out to it, but I've hiked out to, or walked out <laughs> to uh, Big Sobble Lighthouse. And that was a unique experience because when I got out there, it was, I knew I was running out of daylight. So I had to like, I had to haul, I had to get there. And that's a pretty cool lighthouse because it is one of our biggest lighthouses, I think, like tallest points, Big Sobble Lighthouse. Okay. And it is, uh, it's a pretty cool spot because it's at the end of a, a point and to be out there, even if there's a couple other people like milling about, you kind of just feel like you have a lot of space to yourself, which is a unique experience, especially if you're in Ludington State Park during the peak season, there is quite a few people out there. Right. And there's definitely spots that you can step away and feel like you have a lot of space to yourself. Right. And I think that that's kind of the, the thing. And then, like I said, being able to go out there and paddle what feels like com four completely different spots in mm -hmm. one day yeah. is pretty unique. And I felt like having like the same, it's not like I needed different equipment, the same board worked for every single thing I was going to do. And right. I'm assuming that the same kayak I don't think so. Would do the exact same thing. So that actually leads me into um, our, our gear talk because I've been getting questions from people and they're asking us about paddle boards. And the most common question that we get is like, hey, I want to get into paddle boarding. What paddle board should I get? And I think that that's kind of tough because it really depends on what you want to do. Right. Um, so after I, I, I started doing just a little bit of uh, addition here. And I realized that between the two of us, we have six paddle boards. Um, yeah. 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 And then if you add in Travis and our dad, we have nine. Yeah. So all of them are a bit different. We actually don't have any duplicates in the entire fleet. Yeah. That's right. So if a person was just getting into paddle boarding, what would your recommendations be? Well, I think the big thing... I give people the recommendation of an inflatable mm -hmm. uh, right now. Unless you live on a lake or on a body of water that you're not going to leave very often, uh, then a hardboard is would be cool because you could keep it there. But uh, traveling with an inflatable is awesome. So it goes down into like a backpack, a lot of them do, with, a, with a straps or some of them have a roller for wheels. I actually, in my board... I actually pack in my other gear in the bag as well. So it's a backpack, has a zipper. I can put a towel, shorts, um, my waistband, life jacket. Everything goes in there. So I'm ready to go at all times. And I just keep that in my car all summer, fall. Right now, uh, when it's really cold out like it is right now, I actually keep it in my house and then only bring it out when I, when I want it. But the rest of the year, I just keep it in my car. And you don't have to worry about it being on, on top of your vehicle. Like if you decide after you go paddle boarding that you want to go out to eat or somewhere, and some people don't really like leaving stuff on their cars, it's really nice. So uh, inflatable is the way to go. And I th think just doing the research on getting the right board for what you're trying to do. So there's a, there's a fairly wide price points. Not, not huge, but if you go... Lower end, sometimes you're going to get some different capabilities. Um, you wouldn't get some of them that you would on a little bit of a higher end board. Well, let's actually talk about that a little bit. 
So you ride a Paddle North Voyager. Portager. Portager. You ride a, a Portager. I portaged around the dam with my Portager. <laughs> right. Yep. Um, that board is one of the best tracking boards that I've been on as far as inflatables go. Yeah, it's awesome. And it was like generation two of their inflatable board. So it was one of the big upgrades is the tracking. Then I have a slingshot crossbreed which now is a couple years old i saw that they have a, a newer version of it and i feel like that is as far as an all-around board i really like that one especially with the inflatables when you're playing in like just sloppy lake michigan waves in the summer mm -hmm. you can actually catch quite a bit of surf with an inflatable because of the amount of buoyancy it has and it's not like it's good surfing but it's like something to like have some fun on mm -hmm. and do that but that board has served me well, and I've dinged it off some pretty sharp edges and rocks, and it, and it does that. So major advantage is transportation, being yeah. able to do that. Um, our, other, our, our brother Travis, he has, is it the aisle? Is that what it's considered? Oh, I don't remember. So he bought his, and it is a board that was a little bit better value as far as like price point goes. Mm -hmm. And... The advantage of his is it's very compact. It's a very short board. And when he's out playing in the waves, it's a little more aggressive. So his actually works a little bit better than mine if you're going to say, I want to actually surf on this board. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're made so... That's one of the questions I get uh, often is, well, are you afraid you're going to like pop it or ruin it? And it's like they're made out of like really high-grade material, like, what, like a Zodiac boat would be made out of. It's not thin it's not like a you know i think people think of like how often they'd pop like an inner tube or a raft or yeah. an inflatable like uh toy ish type boat um, and that's not what it is at all i mean it's thick it's multiple linings on it and like you said damage if you like really like stab something through it like you hit something really bad or or whatever obviously you could damage it but the difference in what damage i've done to my hardboards versus damage I've done to my inflatable. I mean, I've had to repair um, both of my hardboards multiple times just from keeping them for a while and using them. But, you know, you drop it, the drop the tip or, you know, ding the tip off of like a brake wall or something, and then you have a crack and you want to seal that up before water gets in it and the whole thing ends up getting ruined pretty much. Yeah. So let's talk about a couple of the advantages of hardboards, mm -hmm. though. Yeah. Um, I have, it's a 404, which was an offshoot of Riviera, and then you have two Rivieras of different sizes, one hand-shaped, one I think they're considered machine-shaped, yeah. but different sizes, mm -hmm. and um, those are awesome. That's actually what I used for the first four seasons of paddleboarding, yeah. and I really liked it. It wasn't until I really started traveling and doing a bunch of different stuff that I switched over to the inflatable because of the ease of travel, Yeah, but when I was closer to sources of water, strapping that to the roof, your setup and takedown is a lot easier. Oh yeah. Because you put it on the roof of your car, and if you have the space, if you can keep it in your garage, you strap to the roof of your car, and you're out doing it. There's no inflating, deflating, yeah. doing any of that kind of stuff. And I do like how a hard board sits in the water a little bit more, because my board is a lot thinner, I'm closer to the water, and I feel like when I'm there, I'm just a little bit more connected to the ground. You yeah. don't, uh, 
if I told somebody that they're on an inflatable, sometimes they might not even realize it right. unless they're paying attention. But if you really spend a lot of time on a board, a hard board is a good way to go. And ours are considered an all-around board. There's race boards, which unless you're racing, don't even think about. Yeah. Touring boards, which if you like to cover a lot of ground. Yeah, which actually a touring board, like I would like to have one of those. You want to add that to the 10th of yeah. our fleet? Well, I think that could be a something in the future. <laughs> right. And then um, you have your all-around board, which is a surfboard shaped. They track pretty well. I fish off of mine now that I, I've been fishing on my board and have fallen in. And I've been fishing and not fallen in. So. <laughs> right. That's one of the questions. Don't you fall in? Right. Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> like, you have to be ready for that. So, if we're kind of going backwards into what you can buy, a straight-up closeout deal of a Menards or Walmart or Dunham's or anywhere that you can buy a board. You can buy them that are like the, I don't know what, the roto-molded or molded. Yeah, like um, pr plastic injection molding. Yeah. Getting one of those boards on a closeout for 300 bucks is an awesome way to start. And I would even recommend it for people that have kids that you know are going to be hard on something. Because a fiberglass board can crack. An inflatable can get damaged. Our dad's first board was one of these like injection molded plastics. Mm -hmm. And we tease him because we still say it's his favorite board because he takes that out fishing at night when he knows if he's going to ding a rock or anything like that yeah um and every time he volunteers to ride that board and it's really stable and for 90 percent of what you're doing that board is going to do everything the main disadvantage is hauling it around it is a heavier board yeah it's heavier i think my my outlook on on those type of boards are if you have a cottage or you live on the water and you entertain people a lot and it's like, I want to try paddle boarding, those are awesome to have because they usually end up falling off, crashing them into something, dragging them on something, and like they just can get beat up. I mean, if the plastic is scratched, it doesn't affect anything. So I think that uh, some of my family that has a cottage just went out and got like two of the cheaper boards you know some of the uh benefits of the higher end boards are gone in terms of functionality but pretty much last time i saw one of those boards out at the cottage there was five kids on it at one time you know pushing each other in shallow water so they're perfect for that sort of stuff right and functionality is one of the things that i have for my board is different lengths of fins depending on what kind of paddling i'm going to be doing some of the customization, some of the tracking, but I've been out with people on a less expensive board and it wasn't like they were not having fun with us or not oh, being yeah. able to keep up. If you're just casually having fun, that thing is going to do everything. And especially for the price point, I'd even recommend sometimes if um, paddle, like having a second board is a great way to have friends go with you because yeah. you can provide that for them. Mm -hmm. And so if you buy that for your first, then when you outgrow it, you have yeah. a board to give some, like right. let somebody borrow. And I even think one of the things to, to touch on is uh, when we were talking about what type of boards we have and we're saying less expensive, more expensive, you know, those are just kind of like random statements. Uh, you can get a the inflatables range, but you're not 
looking at getting into the crazy numbers until you're like, I want like a full carbon race board or something like that. So uh, the, you know, the board that, that I have is under a thousand dollars still. I mean, so we're not talking this three or four thousand mm-hmm. uh, dollars. You're talking maybe double some of the uh, entry level boards. So yeah, it's, it's not a crazy range. Well, and that board is a paddle north board and we've mm-hmm. all rode some of those at some point. Mm-hmm. Those are, I've never been on, like I've always been like, let me say this right. Every one of those boards are good boards. Mm-hmm. And if someone's getting into it, I would recommend those ones. The slingshot board I have, it's a good board. I would recommend those boards. Um, But if you don't know, and if you're not getting into those, and we don't have the expertise in every board, Mm -hmm. a a local gear shop is going to be the person who's going to put you on the right one. Right. Because you can, say, just randomly order one online, and it could or couldn't be good. Yeah, or what you were really looking for. Right, because if you're planning on fishing with that thing the most, the Suplove board that my that dad has is thinner, and so he can't really fish off of that yeah. because of the width of it. It's a little bit more wobble. It's more aggressive. You can do some fun stuff on it, but it doesn't work as good as a nice wide board that you can even move around a little bit on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so making sure you talk to those people because the price points, once you're in the like 800 to $1,300 range, there's a lot of options and it can be overwhelming. And so somebody like that can really help you out in those situations. Yeah. I think that that kind of sums up our, our paddleboard experience. So Ludington bang for your buck. It's got so many different areas and things to see that that is one of the best paddles in Michigan. If, you're going to get into the paddleboard sports, talking to an expert or doing something like that, or ask us. I mean, we always have, um, you know, opinions on stuff at least because mm-hmm. there are good ones and there are uh, there are bad ones, and we've mm-hmm. been doing this for a long time. So that is what we have to say on paddleboarding. So I'm going to say until next time, cheers. <laughs>